Oh God, I just remember drinking a Four loco like for the first time doing a waterfall. And I remember like I had tears coming yeah. out of my eyes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> also cause like I'm sure when we were younger and did waterfall, we were like chug, chug, instead of like politely sip. Literally, if I could go back in time and give myself one piece of advice, you don't have to chug it. You don't have to. Just fake it till you make it. All or, you have to do is go like this. Or just be a lady and drink it. Like, I don't know what I was trying to be like, let's get this party going. Because I can only have two drinks and I'm going to pass out. I just took like half a sip. Yes. And that whole mm -hmm. time. You just, even if the, don't buy clear straws. Don't, and be tough. That's why. <laughs> confession. Morgan. Okay. I've only done it once for myself. And we're recording. Oh, yes. It's fine. Do we're not no, we're mature know your now. Secrets. We're, we're yeah. mature now. But whenever we would have parties at my house, or really anywhere, if there were shot glasses out, and there was a bunch of people like, yeah, let's do shots, and there was that one friend that was like, okay, yeah, I would fucking do this. I would look around, I would turn on the sink, and turn it off, and that would be their shot, and it was water, and no one was the fucking wiser. Oh, that's no a nice one, friend move of Yeah. No one saw anything, and they were like, yeah. That's or, not a bad secret. Or I'd like, yeah. it like halfway up with water, and be like, boop, and... Oh, that's so nice of you. Yeah, you know who you are, friends. Uh huh. It happened in college too. Yeah, you know who you are. Do you feel personally victimized? <laughs> I did it for myself one time. I'm pretty sure it was New Year's. I always take the smallest shot, so I have no shame. Mm -hmm. I don't like taking big drinks of stuff. I like to sip on it. I wish. I I'm. I think I'm just like perpetually dehydrated like no matter what mm -hmm. i'm always dehydrated like mm -hmm. i could not drink water for like an hour and i'm like <sighs> but like i'm fine i drink six cups before that mm -hmm. yeah so whenever i get you know a delicious freaking mango white claw in my hand i'm like oh yeah Woo! let's chug along <laughs> baby that's good it's just like the shots so you get to oh. that one big gulp something in my gag reflex like i don't mm -hmm. think so well like the first time i met andrew he bought me a shot i don't know if you guys remember i like <gasps> immediately oh, went and like out. choked it up in a trash can and I was like you can finish that <laughs> <laughs> I expected oh, no. nothing less Ugh. I remember just being like that didn't happen what a peach <laughs> oh, oh god hilarious Ugh. Morgan I'm surprised you're not wearing your white claw hat okay, yeah. you got. listen it was raining I didn't want to get it wet it's true white. it is white it's white and it just it looks like it's not like the best quality hat I mean I'm gonna it's fine I just didn't want like the black ink to you never know. Oh, it looked embroidered. Embroidered? Maybe it is. Maybe yeah. it is ink. I, I don't know. I was drunk when yeah. I put it on, so. I saw it via Snapchat. It's hung up in my closet now, so. But in the era we're traveling to today. There was no claws, but there was outlaws. There was definitely outlaws. Mm -hmm. And a lady would not wear a baseball cap. Right. <laughs> she wouldn't oh. even wear fucking pants. Pantaloons, no less. The skirt <laughs> was on the ground. There wasn't, it wasn't an ankle. Oh, oh, this hem of the skirt. I was like, <laughs> these ladies, they, hey, they might have been a little behind closed, little saucy, yeah, you, Peggy. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Woo! Oh Lord! All right. So, Woo. welcome to Sinister Sunrise. I'm Sarah. I'm Morgan. I'm Erin. Um, and today we are going to mentally vacation. Woo! So travel mm. with us <sighs> to the plains of Iowa, USA. Ooh. The year is 1912. Aren't you excited? Ooh, I hear that corn rustling. Marijuana is legal. Oh! The word teenager hasn't been used yet. Uh, was it a, a uh, whippersnapper? 
It was probably a whippersnapper. <laughs> I almost just said teeny bopper, and then I was like, if they don't have teen, they don't have... I don't know how the word teenager came about, but teeny bopper would probably be first, right? Because I was who loved the beef. Teen. I don't... These are not our problems <laughs> to solve. Okay. Um, let's do some trivia. How high do you think the average life expectancy was for men? You thought I was going on the marijuana train. No. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't realize it was legal in the 1900s. How high would it be? Very. <laughs> Probably not. They had too much uh, stuff yeah. to do. I'll say 70. 70? 1912. Mm-hmm. 60. Okay. Um, take drinks. Everyone at home, take a drink as well. It's 48. <gasps> and for women, oh. it's 51. Oh, my God. God. Damn, my parents will be dead. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a second. Jeez. Oh, wow. Okay, the average income per household was $332. A year? Yeah. You said annual? Mm-hmm. Do you want to take a stab at how much how that much is, is today? Today? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, with inflation and everything, I will say with just a year income, 30000 30 I was going to say like five. Morgan's really close. It's oh, really? seven thousand eight hundred dollars. Wow. But also, but you I gotta mean, think like the way people lived was different. Like you're not paying for electricity and stuff. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They did well, no. Telephones were invented in like yeah, late eighteen hundreds. Bougie shit. No. A heated towel rack but, and shit like that. Yes. And la- less than half the population lives in urban or city areas. Today it's eighty percent. So, like, there's a lot of, like, farm communities. Like, yeah, you don't need to have, like, all this high income all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was very rural. People didn't lock their doors very often, which why would you? Um, actually, no, we know exactly why. Mm-hmm. Aaron, do you want to get into why maybe we should be locking our house doors? No matter what decade or year it is. Yeah, I feel the shade on that. I'm really terrible locking my doors. Are and you really? Windows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. How do you think she gets back in when she locks herself out? That's true. I always, I have things locked. If I go into my key, I'm screwed. I live in the city and like, I always leave, (laughs) sorry, mom and dad, at least a door or a window unlocked. Oh, Sometimes on purpose, sometimes on accident. Never a door, but I'm psycho about it. So like, and if I don't, if I hadn't done this, I would have like not learned, but even I let my dogs out and I close the door and I lock it. Yeah. Because otherwise I'll just, I would just keep forgetting. Yeah. So I lock it every time. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't lock myself out of a slider, so. True. You can't. Oh no, because it's got a latch on that. That makes sense. I mean, be on like an older thing, you could, or if you like slam it hard enough, and the latch catches, but not on Poipus. Not in Iowa, nineteen twelve. No. But where specifically in Iowa are we at? So we are in Villisca, Iowa. Villisca. Villisca. And this is. June 10th, 1912. So Mary Peckham woke up around like 5 a.m. to begin her morning errands. And around 7 a.m., she thought it was strangely quiet um, at her neighbor's home. So the Moore family, which consisted of 43-year-old Josiah, 39-year-old Sarah, and their four children, 11-year-old Herman, 10-year-old Mary, 7-year-old Arthur, and 2-year-old Paul, were pretty rambunctious in the mornings, and the fact that she hadn't spotted a single one of them come out of their house didn't sit right with her. Unable to shake the feeling that something was wrong, Mary went over and knocked on the door, but no one answered. When she tried to open the door, she discovered it was locked. 
She decided to reach out to Josiah's brother, Ross Moore, but when he came over, his knocks and shouts received no response. Ross smartly brought over the spare key his brother had given him, and he used that to open the door. While Mary waited on the porch, Ross went to the guest bedroom, and when he opened the door, he discovered the bodies of eight-year-old Ina Stillinger and 12-year-old Lena Stillinger, who were friends with the Moore children. Terrified, Ross raced out of the house and told Mary to call the town marshal, Hank Horton. Once at the scene, Horton began his investigation of the house, only to learn that the entire Moore family had been bludgeoned to death. The murder weapon, an axe that belonged to Josiah that had been housed in their cold shed, was discovered in the guest bedroom where the Stillinger sisters had been found. Doctors J. Clark Cooper and Edgar Hugh, as well as the minister of the Moore's Presbyterian Church congregation, Wesley Ewing, joined Horton at the scene. Villisca County Coroner L.A. Lindquist and Dr. F.S. Williams were also called to assist. So the coroner and all these doctors called to the crime scene were able to narrow down a potential five-hour window that the murders had likely transpired. Two cigarette butts discovered in the attic suggested that the killer had hidden weight until everyone had fallen asleep. However, there was other evidence to suggest that the killer might have also been hiding out in the barn at some point. Mm. So a depression appeared to have been made in some bales of hay and a knot hole, which is like a just a hole in a piece of like a tree trunk or timber where it's mm-hmm. just fallen out. Um, was present, so the killer could have just been sitting on some bail and waiting out for the Moors to return also. So I'm not sure which one. It seems more likely the attic, but I don't know. I'm team barn. You're team barn? So okay. I'll get to that later, because okay. on, important. Sometime between midnight and 5 a.m., the killer left the attic and made his way into the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah were sleeping. He struck Josiah with the axe first, crushing his skull and likely killing him instantly. Sarah, who hadn't woken up to register what was happening, was then struck once with the axe. It is unsure whether they were dead at this point or on the brink of death, but the killer left the room and headed next door where he killed their four sleeping children. He walked down the stairs to the guest bedroom where the last victims, the Stillinger sisters, um, were sleeping. Like the other victims, both were bludgeoned to death with the axe. And again, it is not known if any of the victims woke up or even took in what was happening to them before they died. The only one who may have actually been awake was Lena Stillinger, who was discovered wearing no underwear and with her nightdress pulled up past her waist, which suggested that she might have been sexually assaulted. But police were unable to find evidence that that was the case. Mm -hmm. Now, the really creepy part is the fact that this guy just murdered eight people, six of them children, and instead of just Walking out the door, he walks back upstairs with the axe and bludgeons the Moore family until their faces are unrecognizable. Josiah received the most blows from the axe. He was struck about 30 times, and according to Wikipedia, he was, like, bludgeoned so much that his eyes were considered missing. They were... Yeah. Oh, because, not to be gross, but aren't your eyes just little jelly sacks? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they... Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Were, yeah, unrecognizable. You couldn't... Yeah. So... I'll, I can wait. I have a question. You want, sure you want to wait? Or? Is it about the jelly sacks on our face? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to punch you in your jelly sack here in a second. No, no. that's so fair. Um, uh, it's 1912. So how do they know that that's the, uh, the correlation of events that transpired? Like, how do they know that he didn't just, like, beat the shit out of them one by one? Like, bam, bam, bam. 
bam, 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 and then move on. Sorry, that was a stupid sound effect. <laughs> what do you mean by one by one? Like, how do they know that he went and killed everyone with like a hit or two and then went like went back? Like, how do they know he didn't just like whack them a couple times till they were disgusting and then that killed the dad and then do that to the mom? Not sure. It might have been with like the blood spatter they looked at. Okay. Um, I know that was one of the coroner someone was looking at. Well, into as that. soon as I ask it out loud now, I'm like, oh, it has a better chance of them waking it up. I would say it probably has to do with like no one getting out of bed as well. So you have to assume it's quick and then you go back and do it. Yeah, and then like maybe you see like marks from the whatever tool like as he's yeah. dragging it or something. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I don't have the best answer. I'm sure there is a better answer, I but think, that's where I my think head I goes. I myself talking out loud. <laughs> We're so, also not murderers, so I have no oh, idea. You know what? Right? Maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> I don't know yeah. for sure. Yeah. So after he, you know, goes back, just bludgeons them um, to death. The killer places bed sheets over Josiah and Sarah's faces while he placed um, like just clothes over the children's heads. And then he went to every single mirror and piece of glass in the home and covered it with a piece of clothing. It was um, described as like just really weird and ritualistic, perhaps, mm-hmm. is what they were thinking. The killer seemingly stayed at the house for a few more hours after that. Investigators found a two-pound slab of uncooked bacon wrapped in a towel on the downstairs bedroom floor. It was placed near a short keychain on the downstairs bedroom that um, Smithsonian Magazine stated did not belong to the Moors. The killer filled like a basin with water and appeared to have used it to wash the blood off of his hands. And a lamp was discovered at the top of the stairs, which police determined the killer must have used to maneuver around the dark house. I was going to say, like, so yeah, we, how would he mm-hmm. even see? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah, he lit it, kept it real low. I was just walking around. Yeah. He then walked out of the front door, locked it behind him, and took the key with him. Any leads the investigators had quickly, you know, dried up, went nowhere, really. Villisca is a pretty small Midwest town. I think it, like, when I was looking up, it had, like, a population of around 2,500 people. As you can bet that word of the Moore family uh, murders traveled fast. Onlookers at the scene were warned by Dr. Williams, quote, don't go in there, boys. You'll regret it until the last day of your life, end quote. But um, when I was reading the Smithsonian Magazine article, they didn't care. Hundreds of curious townspeople ignored his warning and went into the house anyway. That would make me want to go in more. That's so disrespectful very at the time i don't know you're right because like nothing is happening it's more like i mean they watched public executions that's true true also if you're living like the farm life you're seeing death all the time it's more just curiosity like nothing's gonna scare me away from seeing this not my town yeah and you're like oh maybe i should have listened yeah well i'm sure they didn't have anything you're not, you know, against that either. Like those people weren't going to get fined or arrested or anything for doing that. Mm-hmm. So I walked like, the we'll two just, miles to get here. Yeah, we'll check it out. It's gruesome. Mm-hmm. So obviously the house was completely contaminated after this. Um, hundreds of people's fingerprints were all over the house. And one person even went as far as taking a piece of Josiah's skull as a souvenir, oh. which is disgusting. See, that's where you lose my patience. Who was that person? Because maybe they were the motherfucking killer. Okay? Oh my god. Plot twist is one of our ancestors. Like, mm. <laughs> Morgan has now covered her head in a jacket. <laughs> I am not okay. I did not know that. No. That's awful. It, very awful. Ooh, I have goosies. Mm. 
a search of the countryside was conducted, which didn't turn up any suspects or leads. Bloodhounds were also used, but that ended up being a dead end. It seemed that the killer was just able to skip town with that head start he had. So in a small town, everyone was gossiping, you know, dishing out theories and talking dirt on other people who they believed could be the killer. Josiah's brother-in-law, Sam Moyer, was very briefly looked into since he had apparently threatened to kill Josiah a few times. You know, typical brother-in-law stuff. As you do. Mm -hmm. However, Moyer had an alibi that checked out, so he was crossed off of the suspects list. A lot of people wondered if State Senator Frank Fernando Jones may have had something to do with the murders, since his relationship with Josiah wasn't the greatest. Josiah had previously worked at Jones's implement store before leaving to open his own implement company in 1908. Josiah's business boomed, and it reportedly took, like, the John Deere franchise away from Frank's store, which really oh. pissed him off. Ooh. There were also rumors going around town that Josiah may have been sleeping with Frank's daughter-in-law, Donna, which only made people more suspicious of Jones. But um, he has continuously denied, or he continuously denied having anything to do with the murders and was never arrested for them. An interesting suspect who was name dropped during testimonies was a man named Andrew Sawyer. At 6 a.m. on June 10th, Sawyer approached Thomas Dyer, a bridge foreman and pole driver who worked for the Burlington Railroad SA in Burlington, Iowa, and just asked him for a job. Mm -hmm. Dyer described Sawyer as clean-shaven, but the brown suit he was wearing was wet, um, almost up to his ankles, and his shoes were muddy. So even though his presentation was poor, Dyer needed an extra man, and he told Sawyer that he was hired. Later that evening, when the crew reached Fontenelle, Iowa, Sawyer bought a newspaper which had a front-page story about the Villisca Axe murders, which, according to Dyer, he seemed weirdly interested in. The crew were not fans of Sawyer at all, maybe because he slept with his axe next to him or his bad habit of constantly talking about the Villisca murders and wondering if the killer had been found yet. Dyer became suspicious of Sawyer after learning that um, he had been in Villisca the night of the murders, and he apparently even told Dyer that he had heard the murders go down. Sawyer was taken into custody on June 18th, 1912. Dyer testified that one day he had walked behind Sawyer and caught off guard. Sawyer startled, turned around, and told Dyer, quote, I will cut your goddamn heads off, end quote, while simultaneously making striking motions with his axe. <clears throat> Casual. Mm-hmm. Sounds what, like a real good pal. Yeah. You said weirdly interested in the murders, but it's like no one was questioning the guy who took bits of the skull home. I don't know if anyone knew that. Did that maybe he like mm-hmm. that one person out of the hundreds that came oh, there, like, like, like sneakily, a, like yeah, or like months later they were like, look what I got, like yeah, or something. Still, be like, we need to look at you for something else, mm-hmm. right? You got something yeah. going on, yeah. Oof. Sawyer wasn't in custody for long, though, because authorities discovered he had an alibi. He had been, well, he had been arrested for vagrancy in Osceola, Iowa, on the night of the murders. And a sheriff remembered putting him, like, on a train, I guess, to wherever he's being arrested at, (laughs) at 11 that evening. Cool. Okay. Okay. That's a pretty solid alibi. Weird times. Yes. So he just seems like a a bit of a weirdo, Mm -hmm. I would say. Maybe he was like, I could have done that. Like, Ooh, like an inspiration? Yeah. Ooh. Something, yeah. Strangely obsessed. And I have one more 
um, potential suspect I'll go over that did actually end up, um, he ended up going to trial for the murders. So Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly was an English immigrant who worked as a traveling minister and had been in uh, Villisca on the night of the murders. He's a reverend? Reverend, yes. Oh, shit. They think he did? Holy shit. Well, he is interesting. So he had um, attended the same church event the Moore family and Stillinger sisters did that night, and he was left-handed, which, um, well, it stood out to investigators since the coroner determined the blood splatter appeared to have been made by a killer who swung the axe with his left hand. So I guess what they're thinking is he was holding the lamp in his right hand, throwing the axe down with his left. (laughs) Interesting. Anyways. (laughs) On the days leading up to the murder, he had been caught peeping through windows in town. Ew. Yeah. To see if anyone was sinning before church? I think he was a bit obsessed with sex, is what I have Ah. have read. Ah. Yeah. Mm. So probably for different Mm. matters. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. His actions the day of the murders were even more suspicious. Kelly had boarded a train around 5 um, to 5.30 in the morning on June 10th, where he spoke with an elderly couple about a horrible murder that had happened in town. The puzzling thing is, how could Kelly have known about the murders hours before the victim's bodies had been discovered? Oh. Yeah, because this was 5, and it wasn't until like 7-ish or 8. How could he? Well. (laughs) He's one with the spirit world. Yeah. You know? So interesting. Not. Oh my god. <laughs> he, he did it. Not. Literally every person you say like, yep, did it. Oh, he's, nope. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, he did it. He did it. That's how I feel. Currently, in this moment. Currently, yes. According to Smithsonian Magazine, Kelly had returned to Villisca a week after the murders and allegedly pretended to be like a Scotland Yard detective so he would be allowed into the Moore property to go in and do whatever he wanted. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. They do say they return to the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Two years later, Kelly was arrested in South Dakota for sexually harassing a woman who had applied to be his secretary. So, Bad. ew. So Kelly had mailed the woman a letter described by the judge as, quote, so obscene, lewd, lascivious, lascivious, oh God, and filthy as to be offensive to this honorable court and improper to be spread upon the record thereof, end quote. So (laughs) they didn't even been saucy. Yeah. But he had also apparently like told this this woman who was applying for a job that if she were to get the secretary position, she would have to be okay with posing as a model. And she would be required to type in the nude. So he's a <laughs> reverend of a church? You betcha. Well, wherever. He's uh, traveling. He's traveling. I think he kind of gets away with. Man. Did he give himself that title? Because I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah. I don't know who did if he was actually he was appointed. He freaky in 1912. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, ballsy. I I don't know. In 1917, Kelly was arrested for the, like, murder of Lena Stallinger, um, or at least in connection to. So I think he was just brought in. I don't know if he was necessarily charged with anything. Mm, Okay. It's just how it was worded. Um, And after many hours of interrogation, he signed a confession that stated, quote, I killed the children upstairs first and the children downstairs last. I knew God wanted me to do it this way. Slay utterly came to my mind, and I picked up the axe, went into the house, and killed them. End quote. 
Kelly later recanted this confession and the elderly couple who claimed to have, you know, spotted the reverend on the train and talked to him changed their story. According to Wikipedia, Kelly may have also had some mental health issues going on. Yeah. So he had he had that sex obs- uh, obsession and he had suffered from a mental breakdown when he was a teenager. So police and the jury weren't completely convinced um, that he was like the guy, the killer they were looking for. Mm-hmm. After two trials, the first, which ended in a hung jury, Kelly was exonerated. So I kind of went through the suspects who were kind of looked at, but then you know, exonerated or mm-hmm. crossed off the list later on. So Sarah, I'm curious what, you know, information you have and what theory you have. Let me tell <laughs> you, first of all, the hat uh, is going on backwards. Wow. It's a doozy. Okay. Ooh. Clear your notebooks, folks. Woo. So I stumbled upon a book called Man from the Train or Man on the Train. I will definitely put it in the show notes. And he, actually, it's really cool. It is a true crime book written by a man named Bill James and his daughter, um, which I think is super cool. And fun fact, his day job is a baseball analyst, but he also writes about true crime in his free time. How fun. If that were, if he, if that was his dating site bio, how fast would you be like, when can we go on a date? Like. It wouldn't even be a match. I'd hunt that bitch down. Yeah. I'll find you. You stay where you you. are. Yeah, let's go. Um, (laughs) So they did put a suspect for like fourth, but I do want to kind of go into something else first. So he was going off of the serial killer theory, which the more I read, the more I realized he is not the only person who thought this. Mm -hmm. He just gave a particular suspect. So I'm going to take through the serial killer theory first. Mm -hmm. So from the time of 1819... Whoa. 1890 through 1910, there was an average of eight families murdered per year in all of the United States. Whoa. And this is like Wild West times. Like murders were happening, yes. Murders with axes were happening, yes. But to actually- Whole families, like purposely being killed. Okay. Not like an outlaw being like, step off my property. Okay. So then from the time of 1911, Sorry, I was like- Axe laws. <laughs> Axe laws. Oh, oh that hurt. I know. Okay, Sarah. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So from the time of this is kind of like another Bermuda Triangle. I'm not I think it is true, but it's axes were very common in America at this time. Like the way you were living, you're cutting your own wood, you're doing whatever other chores you need. I don't know. I decapitating animals. Sure. Mm-hmm. I live in twenty twenty one. I have no use for an axe. Correct. Do we own two? We sure do. Oh, I don't think I even own one. We I just own bought zero. a hammer. Like, no. <laughs> we go camping. Sorry. Okay, that's true. Yeah. But, like, they were very prevalent. So, like, yeah. murders with axes, it wasn't super uncommon, but to murder a whole family was yeah. way uncommon. So, the main, like, six to 15 murders that they attribute to the serial killer, again, kind of depends where you're at, what you want to pick, whatever. Um, These... Like six to fifteen murders happened in one year, all in the same Midwest area. Ooh, all along the same train eight, route. Eight per year is the normal, and this was like fifteen. Oh, I think there was more than fifteen, but there's fifteen they can attribute to the same small area that people are like mm, that may be connected. They seem very similar. Okay, the whole family with an axe or some kind That's... of blunt object. 
Okay. <clears throat> Seems a little sus. <laughs> yes. So they think he was a transient killer, which would make sense um, because a lot of these murders, they happened like within a mile off of the train tracks. Hmm. Even Velisca was really close to the train tracks. Um, I did my notes so weird. Give me one second. Which I'm sure was like the only major form of transportation for long distances. Actually, you know what? This is great. So yes. Um, how do you get around the country in 1911? You ride the railroad. The 1910s railroad system was at its peak. I literally did railroad research for a second. Oh, wow. This is what I was saying last night. I was pulling these strings like it all makes sense. Yeah. Like, I felt like Charlie Day again. Like, look, look at this. <laughs> Actually, do you want to see how insane I got? Yes, oh, I'm ready. I was trying to like map out the railroads, oh, but my that's... arrows were too big and I couldn't oh, do no. it. But, like, the first one we're going to talk about was in Colorado Springs. And then he goes over to, <laughs> not Indiana, that got weird. Was it Illinois? Over to Illinois. Okay, yeah. So in my head, I'm really bad at geography and I always assume that's like way bigger distance. But when you look at it on a map, it's really not bad. Yeah. And there was a railroad that went Exactly. If you're right going there. on the train, it's not going to take as long. And you just hop on an empty car. Yeah, yeah. If you're uh, a true transient and not buying a ticket, yeah, which I would assume if you're going to murder, you're probably not buying well, a ticket. And regardless, mm-hmm. it's like, like, okay, let's just take this, you know, person, whether they who they be, they had an axe at some point. Uh, even the reverend didn't he have an axe? Is that what we said? I maybe I'm making things up, but anyway. Oh, that was that Sawyer guy. Sawyer. So like, yeah, okay, he's who... traveling. He's got an axe. So even if you get caught for like mm-hmm. being a vagrant. What are they going to do? Like, kick you off the train? Like, yeah, you want to kick me off the train? I'll show you my freaking friend here. Like, kind of. Yeah. It was just a, mm, an intense time. It was like a, different time. a wild, mm-hmm. wild west out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> um, so if you were going to travel, your options were trains, buggies, as in horse-drawn buggies, um, <laughs> the new Ford Model T car, and mm-hmm. ships if you're crossing water. Also, while the car sounds super cool, it sold for $750. That's like its base price. Isn't that kind of to crank too? So yeah. like it's not, it's to like go to the theater and yeah. then back. Well, and you just said the average income was $300. Yes. So it's about 20 yeah, no. grand today is how much this thing would cost. Holy shit. So oh. like, oh my God. So the wealthy people had cars. Nobody else had a fucking Yes. Car. Or like maybe like I don't know, like an extended family was buying a car. Yeah. Like they were starting to become more prevalent. But also you have to remember, since no one was driving them, no one could teach you how to drive it. So you had to have enough money to buy it, to understand how to use oh, it. Like, mm-hmm. And if you crashed it, then you're, you're done. I don't want to think about it. But also like gas stations, just solely purposed gas stations. I don't think they were even around until like the 1912s, 1913s, because there wasn't a use for it. Normally yeah. it was like convenience yeah. stores. Oh, and we have gasoline too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is like brand new. Um, so yeah, if you aren't made of money, but you want to feel a little bougie going to grandma's house, you're taking the train. Um, so what people started putting forward, the more, and I will get into all these cases, well, six of them, the more they started seeing it is a spree killer epidemic of mass homicide in small towns. And all these small towns are by the railroads and it's very violent, all of these crimes. Hmm. So it, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this is like a true crime enthusiast um, and you know what that means, but just in case this is new, one, welcome, (laughs) Uh, two, rough episode to start on, Um, but here we go. A mass homicide is a situation involving three murders by a single person or group of people, and it's different from familicide because it's not being committed by someone in your family. Okay. So three or more. 
Yes. Okay. So if we were all taken out right now by someone who didn't know us, that would be terrifying and mass homicide. Yeah. Great for our ratings, I bet. But like, (laughs) we were all really sisters. And then, like, we had a fourth sister, and they came in and killed us. And that'd be familicide. Yes. All right. So Chris Watts, familicide. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Spoiler. (laughs) Go back. (laughs) Um, Yes. And then we can say, if it's a serial killer, he would be typed as, like, a spree killer because Mm -hmm. of the quick succession of this person's crimes. I mean... Like, a big thick of it was from, like, six months to a year. And I will say, the author of Man on the Train, he does try and say that he thinks the crimes were happening for, like, a decade before and then a decade after, and he just wasn't caught. Oh, okay. But the majority of crimes that people are linking together is happening, like... That's a lot to... Regardless of the truth, like, what the truth is, that's way a lot in one bit of time. This guy was going on holiday. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, so depending on whose theories you believe, because there's also, yet again... More than one suspect. Regardless of the moment, there was a lot of killing within like one year. And all in a very small bit of area. And while like police stations didn't necessarily talk to each other, these crimes, they were pretty brutal. Like you're not... Everybody knows. Yes. So the biggest crime you could really think of in these towns, like yes, murder would be one, but Mm -hmm. also like horse thievery. Those like the top two. Yeah. And if you're going to do a murder, it's going to be because like, well, he stole my horse, so I went and shot him, and blah, blah, blah. Somebody made too much bathtub gin and didn't share. Mm. Yes. Front news. It's that, like, Arkham's razor or whatever. Like, it really was the simplest solution. Like, it was not someone. Yep. Until now. Um, but also, fun fact, do you want to guess? <laughs> oh, no. There was an express train that went from New York to San Francisco. Do you want to know how long that took? Oh, no. Just New take York a stab. To San Francisco. What? 14 days 14 days oh. wait non-stop or do they stop um i believe non-stop um well they had to take small stops there's no way they had enough gas 10 okay 10 i'll say 12 um i don't know they said 83 hours so what is that like five oh. days that's a couple days that's nothing oh that's not bad by 20 that's but this was like the express train made it's like almost ex- four to get from there to there. Like, there, I don't think it was a lot of stops. If it was stopping, it was just a fuel. 3.445. But still, today, you could get across, like, within an afternoon, maybe. Isn't it, like, six hours on a plane? Oh, yeah. That's not bad at all. Hours instead of days, regardless. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's dive into this. (laughs) Um, Okay, so according to their findings, there was murders in Oregon, Kansas, Florida, Arkansas, Missouri, and a few other states in the middle. So it all started in September of 1911. Like this is when most people start agreeing this is something that's connected. Um, There was a family of six in Colorado Springs where someone grabbed an ax that was laying in one of the yards, either their yard or a neighboring yard, and they broke into the house of the Wayne family. The killer then systematically killed 30-year-old Henry Wayne, his wife Blanche, great name, (laughs) <laughs> little palate cleanser she's a great name and then their two-year-old daughter oh my god mm. the killer then said why turn in early i don't have anywhere to be and he went next door and committed the same homicide <gasps> on the burnham household oh my gosh. which contained alice burnham and her two children ages three and six alice's husband lived nearby at a sanatorium he had consumption which is tuberculosis um and so he was working there they tried to blame it on him 
but he's like, I have a pretty like solid alibi. Yeah. I was here. Also, like dying. I'm sick, bro. Like I don't think I snuck into my house in the middle of the night and killed three people. Like I was thinking about this. Can you imagine? Like when he went away, he was probably thinking I would be the one that dies, and then his whole family dies before so him. They, yeah, they brought him back to look the bodies, and they're oh. like, he didn't have the right response. They're like, not a tear was shed. So I don't know if shock was not heard of, but like, can you? Which is how like. I, that's just then, so depressing. Like yeah. that he would have feeling cried too. And then they would have been like, what a So, excuse me. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Or like he's staging it. He's trying yeah. too hard. Yeah. With my barely cap- like barely able body, I ran through two homes and murdered six people. And definitely had enough lung capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. And I'm winded just from going up and down stairs. Shit. <laughs> so now we're September 11th. So just like two weeks later. Whoa. Now we're in September 30th, 1911, not 2011. <laughs> That's on me. Um, now we have the Dawson family in Monmouth, Illinois. Rose, Rose Dawson? <laughs> no. Oh. Um, so now we're in Illinois, which is that first arrow I was showing you. Like, Because uh-huh. in my head, Colorado is like way away. But it is kind of a straight shot well, if you're on a train. And if it's yeah. 3.5... Day, 3.45 days from New York to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's a way less time. That's probably like a day and a half. Yes. I would say it probably took more time because you're going to have more stops than that express Mountains. train. Yes. Yeah. But okay. still, you have to factor in a little bit of time for travel. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. So in Illinois, someone let themselves in to the home of the Dawson family and they murdered William Dawson, his wife, Charity, and their three-year-old daughter, Georgia. Jeez. <sighs> This one, it goes back and forth. Some people say it was committed with a lead pipe. Insert some clue joke. I don't know. Um, But also, they're not really sure. They just found a lead pipe by the railroad tracks. I'm like, this must be the weapon. Uh, That, hmm. Okay. Not good. Not good enough. Basically, yes. Um, And also, this is so terrible. So, William Dawson, he was a horse thief at one point in time. And then he kind of got his act together him and his wife had 11 children. Oh, God. Luckily, not all of them were home during this half, like when this happened. Oh, yeah. But he was a custodian at the church. So he was supposed to get there before everyone, like, opened the doors, like, let the congregation in. Well, he didn't show up because this murder happened on a Saturday night. So mm. the pastor, priest, there's two different stories. Either he was concerned or he was upset and sent his deacons over to be like, hey, you can't be skipping on Sunday. I want to say it was the latter. And then once they realized it was a murder... So literally he sent like his congregation over like, hey, like go check on this man. Yeah. Oh, and then no. they discovered they everything. Discovered. Like make him feel guilty. Whoop, flip the tables on you, bucko. Yeah. Yes. In this Damn. case, again, heads were mil- uh, mutilated and covered in cloth. Ooh, okay. Oh yeah, we're going to see some signatures. A few weeks later, now we're in October, October 17th, <laughs> shipped camera to Ellsworth, Kansas. <laughs> um, an unwealthy couple. I'm putting this in because in the newspaper article, they said it like robbery could not have been a motive. They had nothing to their name. (laughs) Stranger, how would they know? Oh my God. Wow. Mm. It's really weird what they considered appropriate and inappropriate a hundred years ago. (laughs) What a headline. (laughs) Yes. Unwealthy couple. Um, Just your average small town American family of five. They're called the showmans. Um, husband and wife, both are young. They're 27. They'd been married for seven years and had three kids, aged six, four, and two. All were beaten to death with an axe while they slept. <laughs> now we have a small little break 
So next year in June 1912, shift camera to Paola, Kansas. And this one is right on that Kansas City, Missouri border, but on the Kansas side. Yeah. So in this town, there's a county fair. I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry. There was a slaying of a couple. <laughs> I was okay. I was like, oh, that's nice. And then like, <laughs> you're going to say it. Okay. I remember writing this and being like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? No. But somebody else dies. Yes. Um, super sorry. There is the slaying of the couple Roland and Anna Hudson. They were also found in that terrible condition, heads bashed in with a dark cloth on their face. Hmm. And what's interesting about this one is there is finally some explanation as to why there could be the cloth on the faces. Oh. If this is on potential why. It could be, yes, he doesn't want, or a couple options. The biggest one they thought was, so he goes through first, makes that like killing blow. Yeah. And then it's really, it's so messed up. He likes to go back and like mutilate, like really just get after it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to be covered in blood. So you'd put the cloth down first. So whenever you're doing it, the blood okay. isn't going everywhere. Interesting. So they, they theorized that by covering it, and then having his quote unquote fun, it left him cleaner. But he also got the satisfaction of doing what he wanted. It's fucking disgusting. Oh, it's yeah. awful. You also could argue like putting the cloths up on the windows and the faces would stop anyone like who's looking in the window from immediately seeing just the disaster. Which mm-hmm. that one I have a harder time believing because blood is still going to be everywhere. Yeah. Everyone in this story, besides the Velisca axe murder, they're living in these like two room houses, not two bedroom houses, like two rooms, mm-hmm. no indoor plumbing. Like, you know what I found though? Hmm. So obviously these things that are covering their face are bloody, regardless of any order he's doing it in. What if he like wears the stuff and then takes it off of him when he's done beating them and places it on them? Like, what if he like puts a sheet, like around, like ties it around his neck, beats the shit out of him unties it and like throws it on them ew mm. i mean it makes just as much sense as anything else yeah. it's still gross and yeah i was thinking about how he got away getting covered in blood i mean so i think that's why they were putting forth that one theory with putting over heads because they're like you know what? we don't know how they would not just be covered yeah. that yeah. first blow would like break and your skull but it wouldn't definitely like with yeah. mine it definitely seemed like he like cleaned himself up afterwards. Well, I mean there's no one else here. Yes. Yeah. The Liska house because there was that tub of mm-hmm. gross nasty water. Yeah. The other thing is uh but at the same time like immediately I don't know why but I thought of Richard Ramirez. He would literally go beat and fucking slit people's throats, come back to the hotel covered in blood, like mm-hmm. take a, take his shirt off, like wipe his hands off, put on a new shirt and walk in. Yep. Well, also, Jack the Ripper was only, like, 30 years before this. Maybe it was the 1800s, mm-hmm. and he was covered in blood, but they were, like, there's so many butchers and, like, just the nature of life in this time. Yeah. To have blood on you was not super weird. It's not, and depending yeah. when that happened, too, because if it's the same as, like, the killer in, at Villisca, then he left in, like, early, early morning to where people are probably still sleeping. It's still dark out. Yeah. So... Maybe no no one's out and about to see this person leave, even if he is bloody. I don't know. But he stank. Oh, yeah. I think everyone probably stank. That is true. Extra stank. Probably. Okay. I don't think anyone would say this person is going to be delightful. Mm-hmm. It's um, like roses. Okay. This one like got under my skin so much. So around the same time in uh, Paola, Kansas, 
a couple stated they woke up in the middle of the night to noises in their house. Which again, this killer is breaking in to small homes. This home, yet again, was two rooms. One, two. Um, risky as fuck. Mm-hmm. Just picture it. This couple is sleeping and then they're startled awake. Like, oh, I hear something. Your eyes are adjusting. And you realize, oh, okay, like it's the, on the lantern, that glass piece mm-hmm. that had fallen off. Because they started to realize, wow. yet again, this is another pattern. He would take that cone off and kind of bend the wick down, I guess. Yes. So it's just like a smaller amount of light to get through the house. Mm-hmm. So that's barely noticeable and like won't wake anyone up. Or I guess even like people that they're outside won't mm-hmm. notice and be like, that's a little weird. That, yeah. yeah. So yes. like someone was definitely walking around. So this guy did that, but when he took it off, he had dropped the glass piece and that woke them up. And so they're Ooh. okay. That makes sense. And then you see movement. And they see someone like scampering out their window because they had caught. And so by the time the guy like is like, oh God, oh God, he gets up and he starts running. Now this person has been running down their whole front yard and they're gone. But like, who are you going to report that to? Because it's such a tiny town. There was no like real police force. They probably thought it was just robbery. They didn't know. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You assume. Well, yeah. Oh God. Because also, like, I don't know if you guys are from a small enough area or not, but like in Pacific, there was a little town that's included in Pacific. Like everyone from this quote unquote town went to our high school, but it's, they're called Catawissa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the kind of towns he was attacking. Those ones that were just a little bit farther away. It's not as easy to go to the cops. Mm-hmm. So yeah, by the time this person came forward, like, Hey, we had attempted robbery. They were like, you have no idea how lucky you are. It's like when the people, like when they come forward and say like, they survived, like going on a date with Ted Bundy, like mm-hmm. they like, they canceled cause they got sick. And then they're like, yeah. 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 So um, this occurrence happened four days before the Velisca Axe murders. And it was where? Um, Paola, Kansas. So just right across from Missouri. Easily get there. What the? What is going on? So now he and you know what? He's probably if if this is all the same person, he's probably mad as hell that he got caught or like didn't get Um, to do what he he wanted. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, he made sure to still do what he was intending to that same town. So. He also tried to break in like on a phone operator because she heard like scratching or something. And it turns out he had like cut off a screen because she lived closer into like the main city. So I guess that was too risky. Yeah. Like he saw it and he was like, I'm not worth it. There's one more that is usually linked to him. And this is in Columbia, Missouri. This one is in the winter, December um, 1912. Again, brutal axe murders of Mary Wilson and her daughter, Georgia. Okay. So in all of these crimes, the, there's a lot of similarities. One, the use of an axe or some small heavy object, if we're going to believe it was a lead pipe in Monmouth, Illinois. Also, yet again, axes, they are very common in this time period. Using it to murder, not super uncommon, but using it to murder an entire family, not common at mm-hmm. all. Um, oh, apparently... Using an axe to murder someone, like a moving target, is a terrible idea. Which brings me to the next similarity. They were all murdered while they were sleeping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In eight out of ten cases that are usually lumped together, um, the murder weapon was found, used, and then left at the scene of the crime. So he would never would have been found with an axe because he would just pick up whatever was in your yard and use it. All the homes are near, near railroads. Over half the murders happened on a Saturday or Sunday night. Half the killings 
um, the killer did cover the faces of the victims. At three of the murders, they can tell the killer stayed around to wash up after, like those bowls of bloody water. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he would hang out in their house, eat the food. The use of the lamps, like I was saying, with the glass chimney and the wick was bent down, that was also very prevalent in like all of these cases. Mm-hmm. One other thing I didn't mention for mine, and I don't know if you saw like in the other ones, but the guy used like so much force that he like gouged the wall, like the I ceiling. When he was there was imprints. Blood, yeah. So there was like gouges in the ceiling because he was just like so forceful with it. And it's, it's just insane. Well, it also makes sense because it's the way he used the axe. So he used the blunt side of the axe, which is smart. And I'm saying smart, not great, just so you know. Because if you use the sharp end, it's far more likely to um I'm so sorry, skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. Get stuck mm-hmm. in your victim. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to work very well if you're trying to kill six people quickly before you can do whatever you're really wanting to do. <laughs> so with that in mind, I would give more credence to the fact that this guy may have been at it for like a decade because that is not something you would just know. You know what I'm saying? Like, you say he yeah, had pra- he had practice. practice. Yeah. Yes. Um, the killer did not cover the mirrors in all of his murders, but if this is a serial killer, and if criminal minds is real, then we can see this person as like in a manic state and mm-hmm. is just going insane. So their signature is getting more and more defined. The Smithsonian theorized that covering of the mirrors was so his victims couldn't come back and find him. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about mirrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, also like, I don't know if you guys like, like, you don't like necessarily some people are like, they ha- they feel that compulsion to do it. But mm-hmm. then they feel ashamed. When they're done. That's yeah, what I was yeah. thinking. Maybe he didn't want to look at himself like, in any of the mirrors or his reflection. Yeah, or see them. And maybe that's why he covered them. Yeah, that's a good one. No, but, hold on a second, because hold on to that for a minute. Because okay. they okay. actually give a theory as to why they think this person was murdering. And it would explain why he mm. wouldn't want to see himself after. Ooh, okay. Okay. Um, okay, so the biggest name I've seen attached to the string of murders is Henry Lee Moore. Um, he was the son of the victims in Columbia, Missouri, and he was a good fit for a minute. So he was released from a reformatory school shortly before the murder started, and then he was arrested pretty soon after they ended in Jefferson City, Missouri. Woo! <laughs> or if you're my family, you call it Jeff City. Yeah, Jeff City. You, got <laughs> you put yeah. S's on the F and you shorten it because you are cool. Woohoo! So for him, you are cool. <laughs> my grandma says, "Like I'm going to Jeff." Jeff. It's Jefferson City, but sure, Grandma. Oh, Lord. So I don't know exactly what happened, but I know he's not considered like a good suspect anymore. I think Hmm. they still did tie him to the one of his mom, which is terrible, but they thought it was greed because he was looking for the deeds of the house. Interesting. Lovely. What a good son. Yes. Which I don't know if they ever actually proved that, if that was just a theory. I couldn't find a lot of information, but this crime was still very similar. So this person theorized either... The son did do it, and then he added extra details to make it look like it was a part of this string of murders, or it really was a part of the string of murders, and the son just looked like a good suspect. In crimes, like, if they could prove it was you even a little bit, it moved so fast in this decade. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They were wanted you off the streets. Well, yeah, like the a right to a speedy trial. That mm-hmm. plays into this so fast. Like, they were saying you could be – Tried, convicted, and executed within the same year the murder happened. Like, that wow. happened a couple times. Whoa. And we had no real facts. I don't know how they were doing this. Yeah. Anyway, so he's not, he's very last season now. 
Um, in the book, The Man on the Train, Bill James gives evidence someone named Paul Mueller was the murderer. So Paul Mueller was a traveling lumberjack, which was not weird. It was a seasonal job of exclusively men in the 1900s. So that would explain why almost all the murders happened in the summer and then why they were so close to the train tracks and also close to logging areas. Yes. The James duo points out further similarities to the crime. So keep in mind the list before, and I'll also add in the towns attacked had little to no police force. They were tiny, like 2000 people towns max. The victims didn't have any pets. Pets weren't of intruders. The killer did stack the bodies. The victims had a barn or somewhere the killer could watch the family. And there was no robbery. So Paul Mueller was ever only really tied to one murder. And that was in Massachusetts. Um, But stay with me. He was working out there as a farmhand. But then he becomes a migrant worker. And he's just not a great guy. So you can see him going across America. Being Mm -hmm. a lumberjack. And then all this stuff is happening. And then they kind of lose me here, but I'll give it in Germany in the 1920s. Another like big ax murder happens and it is just as brutal. God, like yet again, getting murdered with an ax isn't super uncommon, but murdering a whole family in their sleep is it's brutal and it's just terrible. There's a lot of rage in that. Um, So the Jameses, theorize that after a string of murders in the u.s mueller might return to his homeland and then he can't scratch his itch any other way and he kills again because maybe mm. like people were getting onto his trail because if you look at like the newspaper articles of the time people were starting to be like mm, mm, this is pretty similar is no one yeah what is this mm-hmm. okay here we go they put forth a motive i hate it um but we're gonna do it they think he may have had a sexual attraction to prepubescent girls. Cool. Leave the kids oh, alone. Yeah. Please leave them alone. They think this because the adults were normally ambushed, but the children, girls in particular, would usually show defensive wounds or other signs of struggle. Also, in Erin's case, how like her dress was pulled up. Yeah. It, it wasn't as quick. Um, they also point to some articles that quote-unquote thinly veiled comments of the killer ejaculating somewhere near the crime. More disgusting. That's why I was saying, I find it very weird if that's the case, what they chose to think was inappropriate and not inappropriate. Like, this poor man, blah, 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 with no money to his name. And, like, one guy had a very attractive wife, and they, like, felt the need to put that detail in. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. But they would say something like, um, it was very evident the killer stayed around the scene, and there was also blood and other condition in the room like he was in i don't know they're trying to link the word condition to like ejaculation oh i don't know if that's exactly true or not i'll let you guys be the judge okay Uh, i don't know i'm not swayed one way or the other um personally i'm not sold paul mueller was the killer because i mean look at records back then i don't how would you know anything Mm -hmm. um but there is a lot of coincidence and uh enough that i would agree i think Velisca is not the only one I think there was some kind of serial killing happening, but I don't know who it was. Yeah. I was going to say there was one I didn't go, uh, another suspect I didn't go into detail with, but they, there were theories that, so Frank Jones, that um, the senator or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he may have hired this guy, William Mansfield to kill him, but William Mansfield 
was responsible for the axe murders of his wife, infant child, father-in-law, and mother-in-law. Whoa. Yeah. I think he was, like, brought to trial, but then he had, like, an alibi. There was an alibi that placed him in Illinois at the time of the Velisca murders, and he was released. But then there was some talk that the person who had given the alibi then said it really wasn't like correct so then it's like well okay so <laughs> then you don't have an alibi but he was never arrested so yeah okay so i was saying i also learned a little bit about like policing in this time so like a police in a small town they are not first of all they weren't really even in like these like subsidy next door small towns but like once you got into the small town police they're not ready to look into a murder like this if it's not like an easy this makes sense they're not going to keep looking into it for years and years and years like we do now. Yeah. They if just you... want to help their people quick. Like it's, and also there's a lot less people to help. Yes. And you were dealing with a lot of other minor stuff. And so like, this was just like, we got to We got to get this nailed down and taken care of. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't have a lot of money in their budgets. So also if you wanted to actually investigate it, you would have to hire a private investigator. Yeah. Do you want to guess well, how they paid for that? If the family of the victims had any money at all, they were expected to put money up to help That's what pay I was going to say, yeah. Oh they would do some fundraisers and stuff, but if they couldn't get enough money, then you couldn't do yeah. anything. Like, they don't know how to look at fingerprints. They don't know how to do any of this stuff. Well, and there's all these happening across state lines, and yes. how often were they even talking to other, you know? A lot back then, I'm sure. Well, no, I had a fact about, like, how many people had phones in their house in this era. And it was like 25% of American yeah. population. Mm-hmm. But even that, most of it was like doctors or some kind of manager who would have weird. Or like a party line. Was that a thing then? Yes, for <laughs> sure. It was a thing then. So yeah, it was just nuts. Like it was hard to investigate. Mm-hmm. And if he's disappearing on the trains going town to town, how would you know? Yeah. How by the time you, know? yeah, by the time you start connecting the dots, it's who knows where this person they could be dead by it could be a woman it could be we don't know yeah, yeah. by the time there's there, any actually, dots there was... put together they could be gone yeah out of the country dead mm-hmm. if there was a jacula then it was probably a man <laughs> i'm just catching yes. myself now but did you at least for the Velisca one um and i don't know how much you researched about that but there was a theory that maybe there were two killers and not one because there were two cigarette butts up in the attic. And I'm like, people were smoking those left and right. I don't think it's too if you're only hard to believe. I'm going to smoke 65 million cigarettes. What do yeah. I have to care? Yeah. That's the only thing I saw that was like. Well, plus they, they didn't, it was noted they didn't get out of church till like 10 p.m. Who knows how long he was up there if he was, you know, like. Yeah. Maybe the dad went up there and smoked. Nobody Very knows. Very true. Like nobody knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just a theory. Yeah, maybe he's working on something in the attic, had a cigarette. Yeah. And the just way, left it up there. The way the house is set up, at least from the videos I saw, it's the attic and the at least and like the kids' room is across one of the the one of the children's rooms, the other one was like a guest room on the first floor. Okay. Yes. The children's mm-hmm. room is across from the attic. So like it's an attic, but it's the same level as their their rooms. Okay. So it's like an it's like a big like unfinished Area. part of the house okay yeah uh, okay that makes sense yeah i tried to really stay away from like the Velisca stuff so yeah. i could be surprised yeah. got it yeah so but. it was literally like you walk in the front door and it's like kitchen and like small like seating area and then like the bedroom is off of the seating area and it's just like a small like there's like a twin mattress in there mm-hmm. and then the stairs that went up to i don't know where the bathroom was if there was one, i don't know and then you go up the stairs and if you're at like the top of the stairs the attic door was here and the kids door was there and the parents room was there as far as i could tell okay I could tell you where the bathroom was it was not in the house well yeah you know 
Maybe he hid in there a little bit too. Oh, but it wouldn't be a complete group episode if there wasn't something more afterlifey. Yeah, not okay. as you know, not as real life spoopy, but mm-hmm. yeah. after death spoopy. Dun, dun, dun. Tell us. All right. So obviously I didn't want to like like we do with every group episode, we obviously have like the topics we all, t- you know, individually talk about. Sorry, I tried my very, very best to stick to just ghosts. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Give me them ghosts. So obviously I'll have everything linked in the show notes, but um, After Life Sessions is a like paranormal investigative group and they have a YouTube or they put things out on YouTube. Yeah. I guess they have their own channel. Um, heads up. Uh, this, what I watched was from season one, episode two, and they were on like a mission to find haunted objects and the house just happened to be on their list. Great, great stuff. Way calmer investigations than like ghost adventures. Like they were, Uh I'm not trying to be mean, but like they were so, I mean, night and day respectful compared to Zach. I'm sorry. Like it, it was, it was a breath of fresh air. I will say if you're gonna watch them, holy shit, their intro is so fucking loud. <laughs> and like, it's like screechy horror sounds. Oh. So just, I would just mute if you can. Like, it, I was like, I almost didn't watch it. It was that bad. So I'm sensitive, little bitch, but you know, <laughs> it's fine. No, I hate when ads like come up and they're really loud too. Yes. Like, can we all just agree on a volume and stick to that? I've been watching Friends on HBO Max. Every episode is a different volume. What? One minute, they're like, and then the next episode, it's like this. I swear. What? Not. Are they just making sure you're paying attention? I, I'm like, you can't fall asleep watching Friends anymore. Je- <laughs> yeah. Yeesh. That was my happy place. Yeah. No big deal. My little, you know, nice little show in the background yeah. while you hmm. cozy up. Maybe this man in the person. Huh? Anyway. Um, so, again, they were a great source for this. Um, and they do, I didn't watch any of the other ones, but they have like a couple, at least more, more paranormal experiences. Um, I could only watch a few clips of the Ghost Adventures episode because I am not fancy Zach and I don't have the Travel Mm. Channel app. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing that the Ghost Adventures had in common with this Afterlife Sessions group, they said the, quote, children's room upstairs, the closet in there is very unsettling. So Mm. the clip that I watched, like, they're, like, Zach and a girl are in the closet and it's just like he got out and he was like I'm not I'm not doing good like it's very dark in there blah 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 and then the afterlife sessions Johnny Hauser explains um his many roles uh from working at the Velisca house Mm. um I will say the video is from a year ago so it's pretty relevant um some of the things that he's experienced as well while doing like he literally has done like tour guide, maintenance, yard man, like everything. Um, so one thing seems to reign true. Whatever resides in this home feeds on fear and new people. Johnny says it's very, it's very quote, Amityville esque. So he, he talks about a couple like individual times. Um, but again, like, all the quick like little clips I watched is just very like whatever's in this house is it feeds on the new and it feeds on like fear. Just I hate that. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so Johnny thinks, uh, yes, this place is haunted, 
Um, but it's, and it could be due to what happened, you know, the tragic murders, but yeah. also because people are always investigating there, AKA asking for contact, inviting who knows what into oh, the space. God. So like, <laughs> I mean, literally he said, there are people here every day of the week. People could do day tours. People do overnights every weekend. Like there is never a, oh. like a resting time. Oh gosh. So I never thought about that. Yeah. He said there was like one little clip. I may bring it up, but he, he, I guess they were like doing renovations or something and it was like closed for like 12 hours. They just randomly had like a 12 hour, no overnight guests. And like the next tour wasn't until mm-hmm. like noon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said he like was the last one to lock up. And when he walked in there, then like 12 hours later, it was like, it was just the, a different vibe. He's like, so it's almost like you can just like feel that it's always energetic because it's like feeding off of these people that are coming and going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, upstairs room where uh, the children were killed um, and the attic are the most active. Um, also, there is activity in the downstairs bedroom. But yeah. uh, Johnny brought in a school teacher. Because he thought, well, like most like pure soul I know, like giving, kind, innocent. If she feels anything, then I know it's for sure real. Ah. So he brought his friend who happened to be a school teacher, uh, took her into the kid's closet to do an EVP session. Was this like a date? Like, (laughs) real close, baby doll. No, I I think that she was curious and he was like, let's do it. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, They hear footsteps downstairs like clear as day and they're like she's like did you hear that and he's like yep and then they hear the footsteps quickly come up the stairs Mm-mm. nope now i'm good and as it's like coming up the stairs it like stops at the top of the stairs and then like walks into the kids room and they he says you can clearly hear the footsteps going heel toe heel toe heel toe and then there's a gap under the door where the light is shining in and you see a shadow Ooh. go across the gap of light. <laughs> oh, no. So he, I think in the episode he like talks about, he's like, I grabbed my pistol off my hip, s- swung the door open and like did a whole scope of the house. There's no one there. That to me is like more eerie because... I would be constantly concerned, like, do I actually check every single crevice? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like Aaron said, the house is small, but like, obviously somehow someone got in there and killed eight people. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he's like, he was like, that was probably one of the scariest times. Um, of course, when he's like describing this immediately, I'm like, oh, so like signs, that part where he's like in, he like has the knife and it's like tilted under the door and he, cause he like sees the shadow. Uh. (laughs) Ah. I love the movie Signs. Oh, I watched movie. it too young, but now I very much love it. It's a very good movie. Also, of course, the boy's name is Morgan, so. Duh. <laughs> he, has, he has asthma, so I was like, oh my god, that's me. <laughs> like, when I, I watched it in sixth grade, which normally would be way too, with like, fine of an age, but I didn't sleep for, like, two weeks. Uh, it scarred me. It was, like, one of my first scary movies. Well, and it's one of those, like, slow builds where it's not, like, all gore. It's, like, I'm those sorry. are the paranormal activities. The ones that aren't like super gory that like just stick in the back of your head and they're almost just yeah. regular enough. Yeah. Like now I like those. Those are my favorite type of scary movies. Like I don't like gore at all. But yeah, yeah I'm sorry. But like move children, vomitos. That will oh, <laughs> be locked in my brain as like a scarring moment. That's, <gasps> yeah, that's right. We yeah. see it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. Vomitos. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like moving as you can move them off of the TV screen. Like, okay. It's like a light moment and then it's not. Because, like, here's a part, like, you're, like, seeing, like, a little kid's party, and you're like, oh, oh no. Like, 
Vamanos. Yeah. Woo, children. Vamanos. Joaquin Phoenix, we don't deserve you. Anyways, all in all, Johnny believes this quote spirit can ruin your life. Because he he put it as if someone goes into this home and has a bad experience, if something happens to them, they blame it on that. And if this spirit is powerful enough to make you think that, even if they had nothing to do with it, it affects you. And then you are drawing in that negative energy constantly into your own life and like fucking yourself over. So basically what the example he gave was a girl came to the Velisca house and had an experience that really scared her. And then like a day later had a car accident and she was convinced that the spirit did it. And he was like, shut the fuck up. Don't even think that way because then every bad thing that happens to Mm -hmm. you, you're going to think is this entity. And it's just all you're doing is just bringing negative energy on yourself. So I was a very different way of looking at it. And I like, just respected his like I like yeah. that though. Mm-hmm. It's 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 hard when you watch an episode of like sorry, Ghost Adventures yeah. and and the person's just like too like the the people who own the place are like too into it, you know? Yeah. Like Yeah. They just it's 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 almost like a like gimmicky. This yeah. guy, this guy I was like, I feel like I trust this, this man with my life. Like I don't even know <laughs> who he is and I'd be like, "All right, I'm cool with Johnny." Like, that's fine. Okay, John. Yeah. Well, he seems very realistic. Mhm. And like thinks, I mean, he's worked there for a very long time and you know, obviously seen every inch of that house so mm-hmm. very just different um but and then johnny also says quote i don't think the family is here what better way to lure people in to this home than pretend to be a little kid oh, oh no so, uh, constantly like in the home like I people will like leave toys like there's two balls up in the attic like all the time like of course they like think it's a kid like yeah, it's not. You've said this before. Don't demons often disguise oh, themselves yeah. as like something more innocent? Mm-hmm. God, that's why you don't fuck with Ouija boards. Uh, Maybe a listener who uh, currently residing above us while recording, <laughs> Zach Baggins. Yeah, no. Oh, that'd the be other one. He's in your house. The other one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so again, here's where I t- uh, kind of the prime example of the afterlife sessions and their more respectful way of going about this they uh like go they see the outside of the house and they're kind of just giving you an intro to it and then before they go and do their overnight stay they then one of them is named zach and the other one's name is connor and zach's like we are gonna go to the grave site and and like let them know that we're going into their home and pay our respects and i was like holy it made me just like really fucking emotional like That's no awesome. other show that i've seen yeah does that granted they're buried like in the same town so like but still like just to think to do that that's really nice yeah so and it's it's very eerie like they're all buried like next to each other and it's just like yeah. one long piece of cement and it's like family and like love each other but it's very sad. it's very sad so um Zach does talk when he's in in the home for the night tour, you know, whatever that he's doing. He's in there by himself, by the way. There's, like, one camera set up in the sitting room, and it's kind of facing the doorway of the downstairs bedroom. And he has placed a teddy bear in, like, you can see it through the doorway, but it's in, like, the spare room where the two friends were killed. And it has a, uh, yeah... 
a mel meter i think or i'm sorry i can't remember the name of the like device that he has but it's the thing where it's like a little like circle disc and there's like an antenna that comes up off of it and any any energy that gets near it it will Mm -hmm. like sound an alarm so he has that sitting there like with the teddy bear okay zach is in there talking like the family is there so he's like like mom like mom of the family can you hear me like children are you there and like it's hard because like you just watch this whole interview with johnny where he's like yo the family's not there like it's just fucking evil and so Mm -hmm. you're like "Ooh, are you like letting yourself open up too much because it's like right you never you don't know you no one knows what's there so at one point he like kind of goes into the room and he then like in the living room he, he like i i could hear it on their like sound recorder whatever they had it's like a rustling dress sound like you know like like a big heavy dress like you hear like yeah that he says i heard that and and i felt a female presence like right behind me Mm. and it was like right after going into the house and right after he was like are you is anybody here so he goes okay was that you like it really scared him he was like every time something happens he's like oh my god (laughs) he he got very scared he was just like okay sorry sorry was that you um i forget the mom's name sarah Sarah, yeah. yeah. Sarah, yeah. was that you? <laughs> um, like, telling me it's okay to be here? Or was it you telling me it's not okay to be here? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, like, good luck, bro. Um, and then, <laughs> he's, like, still getting a little bit creeped. It switches from, like, his handheld camera to the camera that's in the corner of the room. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go in that bedroom. And he goes into the spare bedroom, and he's like, hello, anybody there? And as he's, like, leaning forward to get, like, more of the room, clearly, right by the camera, you hear, <sighs> oh. like, a like a oh. hard exhale. Like, a pit, like, <sighs> like, yeah. Mm. Like, I can't even do it justice. Like, it was, and I was, like, oh, like, oh, I got the gooseies. All right, anyway. So, at that point, Zach's, like, I'm out of here. I gotta <laughs> go. <laughs> uh connor his companion for this um series is uh i referred to when i didn't know their names i referred to him as the skinny smaller beard man um zach has a big beard anyway um he seems a lot more calm and decides he's gonna go into the attic and sit there he does have a walkie-talkie so he's like i'm gonna go in there and sit there for a a bit by myself and like if nothing happens i'll radio if something happens i'll radio and you guys can come in or i'm gonna like try to keep the connection so i have communication with you whatever yeah so he's been in there for a little bit and he says i do feel calm but i do feel overwhelmingly sad um and that was like 20 minutes in and then he started to feel really anxious he has a voice box set up and he's i don't remember like what exactly what question oh um yeah i I don't know what question he asks but the voice box says poor zach (gasps) so like almost like so he's like oh did are you the one that scared him like la la like freaky shit oh as connor goes to page zach the mel meter is going off like crazy as this is happening Connor sees it with his own eyes and on the camera. He sees a orb go out of the attic and down the hall. Uh, yeah. Uh. Zach goes in, like, from, like, home base. And is, uh, and as soon as he walks in, the REM pod starts going off again. And they did, 
like figure out that like some of the static and noise that happened was because of like his walkie-talkie like when he was okay. like hey guys come in it like went off i was like good you debunked Gosh. that like it's not all that makes know. me believe it more though like if you can take a step back i'm like okay if we're gonna right. be realistic exactly um and then they go like they calm down a little bit and then they go downstairs and tried to do like record a question session um they sit there and zach i don't know what device they use but you know like on ghost adventures he will he'll have like a recorder and mm-hmm. he'll be like are you here with us and like wait and then ask a couple other questions and then he'll go back and play it yeah this guy they talked about how he likes to listen in real time so i don't know what device they used if he just had a headpiece in and could hear or whatever oh but they're sitting there asking questions nothing really like happened and then all of a sudden like Connor like looks over at Zach and he's like I could tell Connor was like not like not vibing he's like he's kind of like like fidgeting in his seat and they're on like a little couch together and all of a sudden you see Zach like lean back and he's like fuck and like like something he goes something just punched me in my nose oh and like honestly the reaction was very genuine from what I could see on camera. Like Connor was like, what the fuck? Like had, had no clue that was going to happen. Zach is like, no offense. Like he was kind of a baby when he got scared. And when he got hurt, he was like, dude, no, I think my my nose is bleeding. Like it feels like there's cuts in there. Like it just (laughs) felt very genuine. And I was like, oh, you guys need to go like right now, like right now. So they do. Like, think how much more that would hurt if you're literally expecting nothing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, a. he said it was just like, but it was like right here. Like oh. Boom. Like pressure. Just, yeah. So they are convinced that while they really wanted haunted objects to be found in this house, that the house is indeed what is haunted. Um, again, there are so many clips that you can watch about this. Um no one knows who's there no one knows if it's the family so no one's you know it's not the classic girl in white on the upper floor or Mm -hmm. like child ghost that plays with the ball it's like anything's game and it's probably fucking evil so hopefully yeah the family spirits aren't there i hope i I hope that'd be terrible i feel like they're not there's no way there's no way yeah i have hope because they died in their sleep like maybe it was like so innocent yeah yeah like, yeah. they didn't have to see the horrors of what was happening. Like, yeah. maybe there wasn't that fear that would tie them there. Yeah. It's or, more so, like, you just got to pass in your sleep, like, ever once. Mm-hmm. You want to hear, I mean, like, the sadder but... part of it? You want me to take you down a dark side that I thought of? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know how, like, the evil shit's happening, right? People mm-hmm. get punched and bad things happen. Well, maybe it should be a lot worse, but the family's defending the house. Oh, God. That'd be an excellent movie, first of all. Yeah. Just call me Director Morgan. Yeah. Frames looking nice. All right. So I wanted I'd to watch that movie. Thank you. It's kind of like the others, but like a little bit different. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. good movie. Uh, I wanted to end with some TripAdvisor. Oh comments. boy. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> some were not fond of their stay, but one person was, and it's Lori F. Ooh. Who uh, went on the day tour, loved it so much, she went back a year later to do the overnight tour. Ooh. Um, she notes she and her traveling companions saw and felt a- activity on both trips. So like, even the daytime tour heard something, mm. saw something, felt something. Um, while some claim the quote noise you hear at night is neighborhood children tossing rocks at the window. I'm really not sure how some of what has been seen and heard can be explained by simply a person throwing a rock at a window. I don't yeah. think a rock sound makes it 
exhale near a camera or huh, yeah. things inside the home move Mm-mm. or, you know, shadows and sounds. And, yeah. I think the throwing of rocks could be like one debunk maybe, but not like all Yeah, yeah. Oh, I heard a tapping. Okay, that could be a rock. Maybe, yeah. yeah. And I'm sorry, like your fucking EMF detector says poor Zach. Like that's eerie. Yes. Yep. So again, we don't know who's there. Um, I like to think if you go in not scared and try to be as calm as possible, then you won't be affected. You might still hear things and see things. And I just think it all is about being positive when you come in and positive when you leave and you Mm -hmm. are, you know, ridding yourself of the energy before you fully leave the home. Um, I think we should go and stay. Maybe take our listeners on a little adventure. Yeah. Pretty cool. Have some sound bites or some pictures. I do have a Polaroid camera I could bring and take some pictures and maybe see some Orbeez. Anyway. Uh, um, Future trip. Future trip. So if you want to see that episode, write it in and let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If you have any other haunted spots, um, ideas, true crime, you got a dream you want Sarah to interpret. Um, you have something from that good old psychology textbook that you want to know more about and maybe have Sarah put mm-hmm. in a nice layman's terms so Morgan can understand. <laughs> <laughs> that would be swell. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Sinister Sunrise Podcast. Um, also on Facebook, you can leave a rating and review on there too. So Ooh. just so you know, um, where we would really appreciate the rating and review, yes, on Facebook, but also on iTunes. Um, those are just really great and it, you know, keeps us relevant, keeps people seeing our name. Um, If you have a friend in your life that likes any of these topics and you haven't told them about us, please do so. Word of mouth is awesome. What are you waiting on? Yeah. How great. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Um, If you have, again, any stories, send it to SinisterSunrisePodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, ladies, I think that was episode 66. Yeah. I think it was. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.